All right, welcome everyone to um, Finding the Unicorn, uh, episode two. Um, I'm here with uh, Mr. Palmer from Montage again. Dan, how are you? Afternoon, Chris. I'm, I'm very well. How about yourself? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very, very, very well. So, so today we're looking at the topic of how to stop uh, candidates saying no. So one of the things that we've noticed um, in, in particular in the past, what, two, three months, Dan, is this very, very cute shortage of candidates, which has always kind of been there. Um, but since COVID and since um, the kind of lots of the kind of digital transformations across the world, um, this shortage has become more, more acute and more candidates are seeing more job offers, more interviews, giving them a lot more freedom to pick and choose the, the jobs and the contracts they want to fill. So today we're looking at how do we help, help our clients and help clients across Europe to convince the candidates they want to say yes to their companies. Dan, any, any opening thoughts on that, on this kind of very, very, very acute talent shortage um, across Europe, I guess across the world as well in, in technology? Yeah, well, everything you've said is is, is correct, right? We, 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 this this isn't a new thing, but it's, it's become even more apparent over the, particularly the last 12 months. We're in a position now where it's never been more of a candidate-led market. And, and however cliche that is to say, um, it, is, it is just the hard facts. Um, and whatever data tech companies were using last year for your hiring strategies and whether that be remuneration benefits they all need a complete complete revisit this year if you if you haven't done it already you need to revisit them going into next year for sure sure and i think one of the first things that i've noticed from speaking to um people i know who work across the industry is this kind of quite dramatic change in uh, expectations and perceptions from even from from the first half of this year to the second half of this year obviously we're, we're about to enter q4 um well tomorrow and so i, I kind of went ahead of this of this podcast went and, and looked at some of our, of our stats internally and some of these things are quite dramatic and they show in a black and white kind of form this very very cute candidate shortage what's that's meaning on the ground so in terms of time to fill so the, t the time it takes from um, for, from from us to receive um, an, a vacancy for that offer being um, being sent to the candidate, it's dropped thirty eight percent that time, which shows how much quicker um, businesses have to hire if they want to attract the the best best candidates. Um, Dan, is that is that a surprising stat to you? Is that something you'd you'd expect? It's surprising for. A, do, do you know what that that's surprising but it also fills me with a lot of confidence because what it means is that the education from people like myself um consultants talent companies on the market are doing their their, their job correctly by educating these tech companies right we've been bleating on about it for so long like improve your processes shorten interview processes where you can really optimize them but optimize them in terms of shortening that time window if it takes a month if your if your interview process currently takes a month how can we get that down to two weeks and that statistic indicates to me that tech leaders are really starting to understand now that to secure the best people the interview process or, or time to fill as, as as you called it is just absolutely paramount um another really interesting fact that i've seen is the number of vacancies we have been offered has increased 60 percent just from H1 
2H2. Now, I imagine this is reflected mm-hmm. across the industry and from speaking to other leaders who recruit in this sector, there is definitely an increased need, probably spearheaded and, and, and um, met, oh, because of COVID, which has meant, like, like we, we spoke about before, Dan, is all these projects which were delayed because of COVID have now been pushed into this year. And there's this, this, this large transformation across, across the world, really, from companies who now have to invest in their digital infrastructure because their hiring um, and their staffing has changed or maybe their business has now gone online. Um, what's, your, what's your thoughts on that, on the, on the general increase in vacancies? Yeah, look, I, I, th- I think, like you say, we touched on it in the first episode slightly. Um, and, and I bring it back to a lot of businesses, a lot of organizations had a, a, a business strategy that was complemented by technology. Now, a lot of these businesses have done a complete 180 and they have a technology first strategy. And I think that's just driven that number, right? I mean, 60% is, is, is drastic. That's, that's a big, big number. We're not talking, even when you say double digit growth, 10, 15, 20%, 60% is, is um, yeah, for every one vacancy last year, we're, we're looking at 1.6 vacancies this year, which is, which is, which is incredible. Um, what I'd be really interested to see is what that looks like next year. If restrictions across Europe, if we're just talking about Europe for now, if the restrictions continue to ease, the world starts to open back up. What does that look like for vacancies then? Are we, are we, are we looking at I'd love to see next year the percentage of hybrid remote working, whether we start to see the vacancies shrink in um, in volume with with hopefully the the, the fill rate starting to starting to go up. But again, yeah. it, it just highlights the the, the, the shortage. Right. I, I was having a conversation with Andy, um, our CEO, the other day um, and he was just saying it, it, we just need to continue. It just needs to come from the grassroots, right? I, I think he, he gave me a statistic, which in honesty, I can't remember off the top of my head about STEM graduates. Um, and this is just so important. The, 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 you look five years ago, many of the jobs we have today just didn't exist. And in five years from now, jobs that we have today won't exist and vice versa. And that, that's, that's the beauty of, of working in, uh, in technology. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Andy. Um, so obviously, um, Andy Yalahol is the CEO of Montage, and he's been working in the tech sector for about 20 years. And he actually had an interview with um, a, a newspaper called City AM, which for those based um, outside of the UK is the kind of leading um, daily newspaper for the financial services. Obviously, there's a big um, FS sector in the UK. And he was saying that um, that is the busiest he's seen it in 20 years. Um, and again, like, like you said, he mentioned this, this idea of, of the STEM graduates coming through, um, which I know is, is particular to the UK, but from speaking to some of my kind of German colleagues, it's not just the UK, which is having these problems, which is quite interesting. And you also mentioned about, you know, what's, what's happening now is that going to increase in the future? So, um, I sent out um, an email to a bunch of, of kind of clients um, and some of our contacts to get some some questions in and one of the questions is kind of on that so um, Tracy who uh, says she's an innovation program lead um, she's speaking um, in particular about rates which I know we'll get onto shortly but yep. she was asking if if you expect 
rates to increase next year and I guess keep going? And when are you expecting that to plateau or what are your thoughts? Yeah, look, good, good, good question, Trace. I think we should do a whole episode on wage inflation at some point because it's um, probably the thing I, the single most thing I get asked about day in, day out, whether that be from the, the, the clients I work with or, or, or from the candidates I'm speaking to. Wage inflation is, yeah, increasing, right? Um, year on year, it has been the same for, for the last 20 years. I'm sure that will continue for the next 20 years. So the short answer to that is yes. Um, and I think it will be the, the most dramatic in obviously the most the areas of most demand. However, if you are a technology professional out there listening to this, as much as you can, if 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 finance is, is your key driver, then specialize as much as possible. Um, find an area, preferably one that you enjoy, um, and, and specialize. Double down on it and, and become um, yeah, inch wide, mile deep on, on that topic. Really promote and 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 look, if you if you can shout about it to the world. I I have um, consultants I've worked with for years that have just continued year after year to double down on a particular topic. And they are generally the ones that will, will continue to see um, a, a significant rise in, um, in their wage, right? Case studies for, from, from clients and, and these kind of things that we would use as a business consultants are now seeing that these things are, are integral to keeping their, their financial um, trajectory on, on the up. Okay, and how how are you seeing um, hiring managers and companies um, adapt to this? What what are the kind of typical things you're seeing from from the managers you speak to and the 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 kind of C suite you engage with on a regular basis? What what the, what's their reaction to this this kind of talent crush? They understand. <laughs> they understand it, right? It's 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 not it's not really an uphill battle. I, I find the best way to have um, or or um, communicate the the topic of wage inflation with with the C suite individual stakeholders is just by data, right? We we, we can um, we can explain the data. We can display market trends. Um, the market is moving in one direction um, and, and that is generally growth and, and upwards. Um, and they they understand that in order to have a competitive edge or um, build products and services that are going to appeal to their customer base, they need the technology in-house and the consultants who, who understand how to use it. Um, it's the age old, right? Having someone who can do the, the, the delivery in half the time or, or in, in more cost effective and time productive ways will always win. And, and if yeah. you explain that to, to C level individuals, they, they will always understand that. I read a report, um, I think it was a few weeks ago, um, by Gartner, and it was speaking about this, this talent shortage in technology. Um, and I'm just going to read out the kind of fact here. Um, so for 64%, of businesses, talent shortage is the single biggest reason for not deploying a new technology, whether that's consumer facing or often internal. That's a huge that's a huge blocker, isn't it, on businesses moving forward? It is, and 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 look, I I don't want to get too 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 deep or or um, 
we, we could talk about some much wider issues, right? But again, this, this comes back to, to, to grassroots. We need to lay these foundations within our respective regions, countries a lot earlier on. Um, as someone who's eight or nine years now removed from the academic system, um, computer science, computer engineering, it was not promoted well enough for, for, for me in particular when I, when I was coming through um, the schooling system in the UK. There is also, it, look, we're, we're talking from the UK, but appreciate a lot of our, of our clients are in Germany. If you look at the UK as example, um, we have a very mature IT contracting market, um, but the barrier to entry can sometimes be, be quite high. University fees have gone through the roof over the last five, six years. Um, you look at a country like Germany where their education system at a higher level is far more accessible. Um, it, it's more cost effective. It's lower in cost. Um, the German government subsidized travel a lot, a lot heavier than we do in the UK. These things need to be taken into account because, and, and I think the tech companies really, really need to start pushing this, this stuff harder, um, now, because we don't want to be looking back in five years time and be having the same, the same issue. But I think, again, that's yeah. that probably a topic we could touch on a, a lot more. I'd love to pull some statistics around what are the what, what are the big five or ten doing? What are Amazon doing? What are Google doing? What are Facebook doing? They must see this. If, if we see this, they see this. Um, and if I'm thinking grassroots, I'd, I, I'd be damn sure that they are too. Yeah. Okay, well, that's probably a topic we could talk about for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. You know, what can what at a macro level can governments do to, to help this shortage? Ultimately, you know, any change made now is going to take years and years to implement. So if we look, if we look practically at some of these businesses now, which are facing these very, very challenging hiring difficulties, and we think about this change, you know, even, even from H1 to H2, what, what, what do you think the candidates are expecting and how do you find, or how do you think, their, their expectations have changed from, you know, a year, even during COVID, obviously big differences now from COVID to now. In terms of, when I say expectations, I mean around the hiring process, how long are they expected to take? How many stages do they expect to go through? How do they expect to get treated? You know, have they moved from the, the you know, from the position of no power to the position of ultimate power? What's your, what's your view on those things? Yeah, sure. So when you say candidates, we do, do we want to be more specific? Do we want to talk about just just contractors and freelancers in in Europe? Do we want to talk? Everyone is a candidate at the moment, right? And that's that's I know you and we've a big topic of discussion over the last quarter, last two quarters has been the Great Resignation, right? And that has almost made everybody the candidate. Um, a lot of um, a lot of IT skills are in demand. Every IT skill is in is in demand, whether you at, at director level and, and and all the way down to, to entry level, um, you are you are in high demand. There, there there is no getting away from that. So everybody is a candidate. But but taking it back to your question, uh, yes, most of the power sits with the candidates. What can clients do to? Um, I don't want to say restore the power balance, but I think you you see you see what I mean. Just kind of make sure that they have that competitive edge, um, and that's reviewing their data. Like like I said earlier, I think a lot of of 
the clients that I'm seeing are sat on data from last year, 18 months ago, two years ago, salary bandings from a year ago, salary bandings from six months ago are, are, are out of date. These things need to be reviewed every quarter at the minimum. Benefits need to be reviewed constantly. Are we are, are we offering in line with the market and what can we be offering outside of maybe get, I mean, look, get creative. Uh, you, you look at some of the things that have, that I've, I've spent the last five, six years working in the office five days a week. Working remotely was not even a topic of conversation three or four years ago. Now it's the norm. I, what, what will be the next creative thing? And, and I say creative, but look, working from home now is just, just a given. Um, it's, it's what's expected. Um, I feel like I've diverted from your question. So pull me back on topic if I've, uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of candidate um, expectations around the actual interview process itself, because you know, I, I mentioned before the stats about the, the time it takes from, you know, a vacancy to a to a job offer, shortened quite a bit. Yeah. So, what what would you say they expect now? Is it is it less time they expect to be able to go through it in? in a week, in a day, or is it still that kind of two to three weeks? What, what, what were you saying? Yeah, so so look, for, for freelance and contract positions, a week to two weeks maximum is is where you need to be. Um, and, and even going into week two, you're going to reduce um, the talent level that you can bring into your business. If you can turn around the process within a week, you will have you will have the pick of pick of the candidates that you want. Um, for, for, for permanent, it, it differs across Europe, but if, if we focus on Germany and mainland Europe, uh, mainland Europe, mainland Europe, you need to be getting those processes again, down to the two, three week mark, if possible. I think what's more important than that is setting the expectations from, from the off. If a candidate feels like they will mm -hmm. step into a process and they know exactly what that process is going to look like if each stage goes well, you have a much higher chance of keeping them engaged for the whole process. What I see time and time again is we'll have two or three stages of interview or two stages of interview, and then a candidate will speak to one hiring manager, and then that hiring manager would like to introduce them to another hiring manager. And before you know it, you, you're several stages deep and a candidate's expectations have gone from from here to here and candidate experience is so important um you can you can completely ruin your chances as, as an organization of of securing someone solely based us based off of candidate experience so clear expectations to, to answer your questions on both sides great and are you seeing candidates get fatigue from this, which they wouldn't have done maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, where there's such an increase in the number of offers they're receiving and they're much more aware of their skill, especially if they're a particularly good, um, a, a good, um, you know, developer or, 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 or whatever, whatever. Um, that they, they don't want to have five different stages to, to get to an offer. They want, they want their offer in two stages or three stages. Exactly that. And, and the beauty is there are clients out there that understand this and the clients out there that understand this, again, candidates see that, right? If, if, if a client values 
the recruitment process and the hiring experience and they can demonstrate that to a candidate it's always going to be easier it's 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 just it's just how it is so yeah i i mean look fatigue will quickly set in especially for contractors freelancers three four five stage interviews will never fly it's it's one two maximum um with supporting portfolio if needed and 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 that is all yeah it's interesting again i I saw i think it was actually this morning um and it was a very very senior and female leader um in a very very large multinational in germany and she was talking about um the hiring process right now and she was saying that that there's a candidate they really liked and they'd spoken to i think maybe once and this candidate was in i think two of the interview processes as well one was very very long and the the other company, which I think she was competing against, they became quite pushy. They're like, you know, you decide now. We're not going to wait for you. This is a great opportunity. You know, the, the age old, you'll be stupid to turn us down. And despite this this um, other offer being more money, the candidate then chose to work for, for this this lady, which I which I just mentioned. And again, that kind of demonstrates that the the candidate really has a lot more control over this process now. And if they're in demand, if they're highly skilled, which a lot of the, the candidates we work with and, and, and we're exposed to are, they really can be a bit more choosy about who they want to work for. And it doesn't always come down to money. Often money is, is, a, is an important factor, but it doesn't always come down to money. Com- completely agree. Again, clear expectations um, and, and managing people's expectations. It, it, this needs to be on the consultants, the talent consultants of the world to... Um, really hold themselves with integrity and, and be honest with people. Um, yeah, the, 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 the don't really have sure. much more to say on the matter. And, and kind of, kind of on that point, really. So, if 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 we expect a good candidate to be interviewing with probably maybe three or four different companies, from your experience, um, what kind of questions do you ask them, and, and how do you know from their responses early on if they're really interested in the role you're offering? or they're just going through the motions or looking for leverage to get a higher deal somewhere else. Are there any telltale signs, any words or phrases they might use or or they're suddenly disengaged or engage? What, what would your advice be to people who are looking to to kind of spot those people early on? Yeah, look, it's it's, it's about seeing where someone is in in their in their search, seeing where their motivations lie, where their needs lie. Um <laughs> And matching against and matching against that, it, it, it really can be that simple if you if your relationships and network are, are, are strong enough. Um, just trying to go back to your back to your original question. Um, the, the question was um, surrounding any telltale signs. Any telltale signs? Yeah. Oh, uh, look. Again, if 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 you. <laughs> If you from the off build relationships with people that are, that are direct and transparent, and you can be in, and hold integrity, then um, that for me is that for me is number one. Telltale signs if if someone if someone says to you, look, I yeah, I've, I've had an interview. I, if I receive an offer, I'm going to accept, or if I receive uh, or I'm looking for this amount of money, and then then I'll accept. Um, yeah, you you can you can obviously identify someone's someone's uh like motivations right and 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 where they stand and rank for for that particular individual um there's no one size fits all but but, but everybody's different everybody has different motivations um 
I think and, again. Sorry, Carol. I was just say um, another topic which I know we've spoken about extensively, and something I think you're quite passionate about, is the idea of of taking someone on who has broken a contract to move. So someone who's agreed to stay with company A for six months, see out a project. They're now looking to move three months in. Um, what's your view on on well, no question to me? What's your advice to someone to a hiring manager? who has been approached by this sort of person or they they looking to? Again, again, case by case, I prefer to work with consultants that see their contracts out. Um, however, look, we're, we're all human. If, if you're in a contract where there's project holdups, there's too much red tape, the stakeholders are pulling one way and you're pushing the other way. The development team don't always let you contribute ideas or if you do contribute ideas they're not listened to the list goes on and on right look we're, we're, again we're all human that's 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 the great part of uh someone in my position I, I haven't been replaced by ai just yet i haven't been replaced with a robot just yet but these are the types of conversations i would be having with someone it's not a one-size-fits-all my general rule of thumb is if someone's looking to walk away mid-contract have they done it before if so, why is this a recurring pattern with this particular individual? Um, because loyalty means a lot to my to my clients, um, and it's not just loyalty, but it's if we if we if we take it away from that and just bring it to pure business terms, these are costs, right? These are costs to a business, to a program of work, a budget over the year, um, and in, integral parts to a business. So that's that's really really key some of some of these um consultants that we're we're delivering have have a big impact and to walk away three months say or a month before a go live when they've spent the last five months leading up to that go live it, yeah it, it's not always a good situation yeah okay very very thoughtful uh, opinion there um so you know we, we've got we've found the right person we found the people we think we want we've gone through a process which we've opened is is short and, and candidate focused um, now we're getting to the kind of crunch and we, we want, we found a candidate and want them to accept our offer. Now I know again, from conversation with you and, and other consultants who work here, who work all across Europe, you know, with hundreds of clients that candidates are now saying no in, in higher, high frequency to, to what would be considered a good offer. So the question to you is. As someone who negotiates with with candidates and clients all the time, how do you understand what a candidate is really, really thinking um, in that those final closing stages? I think it's important to give it some context. We're getting more no's because there's sixty percent more vacancies, right? So, so I think it's important to highlight that straight up, straight off the bat. We're not getting more no's because people are becoming more picky or more difficult to deal with. We're getting more no's because people have more choice and more choice is, is, is great. It's great for the whole market, whether you're a client, a candidate, um, a project manager or, or, or a, tech, a technology leader. Um, how do you, how do you attract and retain more, more talent and, and how do you get more more yeses than no's when you when you get to that crucial offer stage as a as a tech leader or um uh, someone within a business that's looking to hire 
again, I, I will keep bleating on about the same points, but it's 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 clarity, it's managing expectations, it's setting those from the off, trying not to move the goalposts. Most people want the same things, right? Stability, obviously to be remunerated correctly, um, exciting technologies. But if you can't offer exciting technologies, look at what you can offer. Is it 100% remote if that person needs needs that, that within their life? Is it the flexible working? Are they a parent of one, two, three children that need and certain hours they need to pick them up from school or nursery or, or whatever it may be? Ask those questions and don't be scared to ask those questions that dig into someone's life a little bit deeper because it could make the difference. Um, if you haven't asked that question and someone else, another client has given them an offer that answers that question, you're automatically at a disadvantage. So what, what questions would you ask? I guess, I guess this is more about the early stages of the interview process than, than right now. But what, what sort of questions would you want to, to know to understand um, motivations behind financial? Yeah, sure. So, so, so let's say we have a, have a candidate who has four or five different opportunities and, and I'm coming to them with, with one of those. I would first off ask how it compares. So just a really broad statement on, on how does that offer compare to the other offers you have? Um, where does it rank and why? And then talk about each individual reason as to why and where it ranks and then make our way through, right? It, whether it be the, the finance, whether it be the flexible working, whether it be the remote working, the technology, um, the on-site, wh whatever that particular thing may be, we then work to improve it. And clients won't always won't always move on everything. And, and as, a as a candidate, I don't think the expectation's always there that clients should move on everything because sometimes it's just not possible, right? Uh, if you're working on a physical product that requires the aid of technology and you need to be there in person to see this physical product, a client isn't just going to change their entire business model. But the point I'm trying to get across is as some, as a technology leader, let's look at which parts of these categories can we optimize to attract the best talent? And I would, for your respective business, I would write down what those are. So a few examples are finance, remote working, hybrid working. Um, do we mind when people work the actual, the core hours? Are there stand-ups that they need to be present in, but perhaps other times they don't need to be? Are the deliverables based on specific sprint outputs or are they based on certain milestones over a given period of time? Uh, all these things, break them all down for your respective business and then work out where you're losing candidates to the rest of the market and, and which elements can be optimized. Uh, what was the biggest mistake you, you see from from clients and hiring managers in this at this point? It's just, is there one thing that you, you see over and over and over again, which you say, oh, I wish you'd just not done that or I wish you just said this or phrase it this way or or not been that pushy? You know, what's, what's the one thing you'd say? Yeah, there's a few. Maybe taking too long is still the age old. Yeah. And I don't know whether that's been born out of a relationship between recruitment consultants like myself and 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 tech leaders where they think perhaps we we have our own motivations sometimes. Whereas the the harsh reality is now, if your company is not moving quickly, another another is. So that that has to be the the top one still. Okay, great. Um, now, just before we, we wrap up um, another fantastic episode, thank you, Dan, again. Um, I've had a few emails in 
um, from people who've asked some uh, particular questions on, on these topics. Yep. Warming boy to go to. So I've got a question from, from Johan. And um, he hasn't given his company, but uh, well, no one has actually, but he is head of cloud and platforms. And the question he's got, uh, which I'll read out to you now, uh, can you tell from early in the recruitment process whether a candidate is uninterested in the role and has another preferred company or contract they're looking for? Yeah, thank, thanks for the question, Johan. Yes, you can. I'll, I'll ask the question. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that we, we need to we need to be giving people the confidence to ask these questions in 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 the process, right? To tell me what and uh, Johan as a, as a tech leader, be asking the candidate from the discussion we've had. What interests you about this role? How does it compare to the other roles you're interviewing for? If so, why so? Um, and, and and really try and have those conversations because if you don't, you're just you you just compare you're just shooting in the dark, right? And and yeah. So so it's all about clarity, and that's a, a kind of big point you've made a few made a few times. Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay, cool. Um, so two final ones. So a message in from from Piet, I think that's how I pronounce your name. He's a rollout manager, and he said, and again, I think we touched on this before actually. Uh, what is the maximum amount of time an interview process should last from application to offer? Yeah, look, there's no hard and fast answer for this based on my data, our data. Like I say, on freelance contract, if, if you can turn the process around in a week, you'll be ahead of 90% of your competition. Okay. Um, on, on permanent in Europe, if you can turn the process around in, in less than, than three, four weeks, I appreciate things can take slightly longer. Uh, you, you'll be doing quite well. It's, it's when permanent processes take two, three months, it, you're, you're, you're going to really struggle. And when contract interview processes take longer than two weeks, you will very much struggle. Is, is there too short an interview process? Is there, is there a risk of, of trying to squash it into a week, let's say, but not making the necessary checks and, and the tests and, and what have you? Great question. And from, uh, from permanent candidates, you, you you see this you see this pushback if if you um if you have the inter I have a client who their interview process on permanent could take two or three days they're the software consultancy and sometimes it can scare some of the the senior more senior consultants because they're not used to it and they want time to think about it and then you're stuck in a in a catch twenty two excuse me where the candidate has had a three day interview process but wants to wait a week to make a decision again. It comes back to clarity, managing expectations, try and address as much of this upfront as you can. If people understand what that process will look like, they can adjust accordingly, or they can at least give their mentality towards the process. And if everybody knows what that is from the outset, you save everyone a lot of time and a lot of hassle. Okay, very well, well put there, uh, Dan. No, and final question uh, from Mark. Uh, Mark's not given his job, um, but he said, and I think this is the this is the, the kind of big topic really of, of of this this whole podcast. Do you think that the power is now with, with applicants um, or, or candidates when negotiating contracts? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, that, that, that's been the topic of discussion for the for the for the whole for the whole podcast, right? Um, but again, as a client, there's so many different things you can do to 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 increase increase your, your your chances, right? If if you're working on a product that you and the team truly believes in and it's truly changing um, the lives of people, 
candidates will always want to work for your company. That's that's just how it goes. Um, and the technology world changes so quickly, right? Just because one day something is hot, the next week it, it may not be as. So just con constantly keep adapting, constantly keep evolving. Don't wait too long, particularly when we're talking about hiring decisions. Like I say, your data sets from last year, the year before about salaries, remuneration, benefits, they, they, they are not they are not relevant anymore. Even from last quarter, constantly be be looking at these. Um, yeah. because yeah, the power is in the hand of of the candidates. Uh, I think thing, things move quick, right? And that's why we all work in tech and that's why we all love it. Um, every, every day is different and you know what happens next month could be a whole new whole new world. Exactly that. Exactly. And that. on that point, I think we'll wrap up today's um, episode. Daniel, uh, thank you very much for spending some time speaking to me. Pleasure as always. We've um, Hopefully we've given a bit of value back to our listeners who are increasingly across Europe, which is great to see. Um, so again, thanks again. Thanks for listening to Find, Find the Unicorn, um, powered by Montage. Um, if you want to get in touch, please connect with us on LinkedIn, uh, Dan Palmer, Chris Hawksey. If you have any questions or, or want, to, want to be on the podcast or, or want to ask a question for next week um, and speak soon. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.